0: Welcome back to Out Loud, the Selective Mutism Podcast. I'm Chelsea. And I'm Anne, Chelsea's mother. Uh, last week we talked about teens with Dr. Elisa Schippenbaum. Um, it was a really informative episode, so if you haven't listened to it, you should go check it out. Yep, she gave a lot of good information. Yeah, and we've wanted to talk about teens for a while, so it was good to get some expert advice. So this week we just were talking about
1: some social distancing goals, I guess you would call it. Yeah, I just wanted to talk about all the Zooming and FaceTiming with family. So I just thought, um, well, first of all, before we jump right in, I wanted to welcome everyone back. And um, it feels like we're getting somewhat back to normal. At least in New Hampshire, the beach is open today for the first day. Um, So that was great. Chelsea and I just took a nice long walk on the beach. And um, it was super. So we hope that you and your communities are also getting back to some of your normal activities Um, but while we are still social distancing i just wanted to talk a little bit about um, zooming and facetiming family members because you know even though the people or the relatives are not right there in front of you um, it still can be tough for kids with selective mutism i think it's you know it's intimidating to have a screen there with your grandmother or grandparent or whoever it is that you're skyping or facetiming or zooming on the screen staring at you kind of there's that expectation again of speech Mm -hmm. Um, so it's tough and I know I've read and we've had some listeners telling us you know it's not really working out at least doing the schoolwork online like their kids are not able to on the screen or are not participating Mm -hmm. in the school through zoom some kids don't even they don't like seeing themselves on the screen as Mm -hmm. well so that adds to it yeah so it's still tough um, for kids even though you know it's not face to face so i just thought we'd talk a little bit about that and just some tips maybe um you know just how specific you need to be to try to make that successful Um, And I think sometimes it could even be more intimidating because it's not like a natural situation. You're not like in the school, you know, it's kind of like a special thing Mm -hmm. where you're setting up the laptop to do a special activity. So that can kind of throw that expectation in there, a little um, brunch or whatever. So we kind of each picked a goal Mm -hmm. to work on and talk about. So this was mine. I just wanted to kind of sort of break it down for people, and hopefully that would make it a little easier. Um, so what I thought is having, if the par- it's really for the parents to do, obviously. Um, the kids can't, you know, it's for the parents to do, for the parents to set up. But I thought if you had a scheduled routine um, to Skype or FaceTime or Zoom family members. So I thought for this example, I'm just going to use like a grandparent. So have a preset scheduled FaceTime or Zoom session. And the most important part is ahead of time, you want to tell the grandparent, that they're not allowed to ask any questions of the child. So that's the deal. We're going to have a Zoom session, we're going to FaceTime, but you're not to ask any questions whatsoever. So, that can for, be hard. <laughs> yeah. So, I think to a different generation, grandparents whatever, they might, you know, like what do, well, what do I do? What do I talk about? How do I not ask a question? So basically, um, you know, selective mutism kids, we want to talk around them, uh, make comments, maybe tell a story, but we don't want to initially just, um, you know, boom, ask them a question. But again, it mm-hmm. depends where they're at. Chelsea always says, meet them where they're at. Mm-hmm. And, um, but yeah, taking the pressure off usually reduces anxiety. Yeah. So I thought, have a set time. Uh, that you and your grandparent or whatever agree upon. And I kind of like the idea of doing breakfast, Um, like a breakfast meeting, because eating is like a social event. Or like,
0: yeah, if you're doing something so that you're not just focused on the video.
1: Yeah, and then I kind of thought too, like breakfast is good because it's the first, sort of the first thing in the morning, so you kind of get this kind of, this... Um, goal or whatever out of the way. and then you can, depending on you know if it goes well, you could reward with TV time or some kind of th- you know activity that the kid likes mm-hmm. during the day. So anyway, I just like the idea of breakfast because it's first thing in the morning. It's good for grandparents, whatever because it is a social event. You can have breakfast with them um, during the social distancing time. That can be tough for seniors also. Um, so we'll just say that it's breakfast. So have a preset time breakfast in the morning. It's great if you can do it every morning because consistency always gets better results. But if you can't, like at least maybe 3 days a week would be would be good just to have that routine so the child knows what to expect every morning. You're just going to have breakfast by zoom. So all kids are different obviously. One thing its not going to work for all kids. All SM kids are different. You know, just because they have SM, obviously they're not all the same. Everyone has different quirks and They're at different stages in their selective mutism uh, journey. So basically it depends on where your child is at and what they're comfortable with. Um, If they're already verbal with a grandparent, then that's gonna change all this. So I'm kind of focusing on a child who really isn't speaking to the grandparent. And this is a way to gradually start the process of having them become comfortable with the grandparent. So you have a preset time, as we said, breakfast, So you don't focus on the Zoom, you focus on we're having breakfast, maybe the laptop or computer is just, you know, happens to be set up and you dial in, you have the grandmother on the screen or the grandpa. There is no expectations of an interaction. Um, Basically, you're just going to have breakfast and I would recommend not directly, not initially commenting on the child's outfit or whatever but to the parent maybe the grandparent can comment on the parent or talk to the parent or you know just explain how their days went yesterday or what they did the day before what they're having for breakfast um mostly like um you know describing description and uh, maybe telling a funny story from the day before And then just gradually working their way over to commenting on maybe something that the child's doing or, you know, you hope that they have a good day, hope their breakfast is good. Obviously, no questions, like I said. And then gradually working your way towards commenting on something the child's doing, like an activity or whatever. You could um, maybe read a storybook to the child. That doesn't take any, you know, there are no demands on interacting with that activity. Mm -hmm and they may not even be ready to look at the computer and that's okay too. You can you know, turn the computer screen away, um, that's all right. If you need to start there, just turn it away. And just them being present, having their breakfast there while it's up on the computer, being in the same room, maybe listening to the grandmother and the grandparent talk, um, that's a beginning point. So it's wherever the child's at. So the plan is to chat every morning, just to increase the comfort level, decrease the anxiety, Um, Have them become familiar with the grandparent. Try to find something in common between the grandparent and the child. Maybe have the grandparent talk about animals. Um, A lot of kids like animals or maybe their dog or um, tell a funny story about when they were growing up. Um, Try to find a a common point of interest. So the parent really becomes the conduit between the child and the grandparent. Um, Where the parent's the conduit, you could have the parent you know, have a conversation with the grandparent to, um, to also spark interest. Um, you know, ask the grandmother or grandfather, maybe if they have a bird feeder out, did they see any interesting birds that day at their bird feeder? Did they do any craft projects? Have they done any puzzles? Um, what kind of activities have they done during quarantine? Maybe what did they cook today? So at this point they can just listen. They may not even be able to look at the person on the screen. Um, So like I mentioned, you can turn the screen away and then sort of each time, each morning when you speak to them, you kind of turn the computer a little bit straighter each day to sort of get to that goal of having them look at the grandparent on the screen. And then once you've established that um, and things are going well, you can kind of sense if your child is ready to move on. And you can just, you know, kind of step it up a smidge. So it's really the parent that needs to commit to doing the exercise. You have to be consistent. You need to be responsible, um, you know, that that you're giving them the opportunity to engage. You know, as a parent, it's kind of our job to provide the child with the opportunity to be successful. Mm -hmm. But not Um, putting pressure on them. Right, you're just giving the opportunity because I think everybody wants to be successful and Mm -hmm. um, but they can't be unless they don't have the opportunity. And then you know also some kids like you mentioned um, they won't want to see themselves on the screen and that's okay too. So that's just your starting point is different, that's all.
0: And that's not natural either. That's like a very unnatural thing. Mm -hmm. Like when you're talking to people in real life you're not staring at yourself the whole time and watching, like, yourself in your, the mirror talk. Yeah, right. So I think it's totally fine to just hide that little square. Like, yep. there are ways you can hide that square,
1: and I right. think that's fine. So you can just turn that feature off to start with, and, th- right, that's perfectly okay. Right, so then once, you know, you've kind of established that, you've done it, you're doing it every day, it becomes part of your daily routine, then you just want to step it up a little bit. Um, maybe they could, um, you know, nod nod yes or no, start with nodding. Um, maybe they can hold something, and then you'll refer to it to, for the grandparent to show it to the grandparent. So you can kind of start with nonverbal, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as long as the child's okay with that, as long as the child is now comfortable with that. So you could then refer to the child, you know, show, show the picture you drew, you know, to grandma, and they can just hold it up, um, so nonverbal actions. And if they do say something and, um, you know, grandma, grandpa wasn't able to hear it, instruct them not to ask the child to speak louder, at least in the beginning. I mean, maybe that could come down the road, but um, I think from anyone we've spoken to, they say, even if a child's whispering, just let them whisper, just let the whisper go on, at least they're being verbal. And you don't want to discourage that. Mm -hmm. I know with you, when we would ask you, you would become frustrated and then you wouldn't repeat it. And then it became like a bad, like a negative thing. Yeah. So yeah, baby talk is okay, whispers are okay. Um but you're going to start with nonverbal. So just having them nod yes and no, having them hold up a paper like we talked about, you know, eventually maybe you can get to the point where they will say yes or no. You know, and um the the goal I think I think humor goes a long way. So just, you know, if the child giggles or smiles or um that's all positive, right? That's those are steps to being verbal any sound making um shows that they're comfortable right any expression at all really is is interaction is communication and that's a success and those are all steps to you know gradual steps towards being verbal with their grandparent once the comfort is built and everyone seems at ease mom and dad can secretly try to leave the room um, or leave the screen at least you know i used to do things like this to chelsea i'd you know, cough or say my throat is dry, I need to go get a drink, or I, you know, maybe you need to go to the washroom, or you need to go get a tissue. You could do that even more gradually, like, you could just be,
0: like, in the kitchen and have the kid at the table with the screen, and you're, like, washing dishes or
1: something, Mm -hmm. and then eventually it's, like, Mm -hmm. moving further and further away. Yep, and I think even just, like, to have you go off the screen is a step forward, so... But the parent I mean like oh for yeah for the parent yeah, yeah. to be you know just get up and go put something in the garbage can and come back see right. how they tolerate that because it's that.
0: easier for to be in a group of people uh, right call
1: yeah right and they might panic the minute the mom steps away like yeah. oh no don't leave me alone here with grandma like Right, so just gradually trying to fade yourself out Mm -hmm. and let the child have a couple of minutes on the screen alone with the grandparent and see that they tolerate it okay before you lengthen that period of time. Right. Yeah, and I think it helps to tell, you know, when you tell the parents um, not to be asking any questions, I think it's also helpful to tell them, you know, be silly. Like, if you have a funny story to tell, like, things Mm -hmm. that will kind of lighten it, lighten the mood and lighten the situation, Um, and so there's no, like, awkward silence Um, silliness can kind of go a long way, and I was just, you know, sort of thinking, you know, as a parent, it can be tough to put your kids in those situations, but unless you're willing as a parent to step back, um, when the moment's right, um, you know, then that kind of gives your child a chance to step forward, but if you're not stepping back, and you're always there, Mm -hmm. and always, you know, kind of in the way, um, your kid cannot make progress, because you're kind of, holding them back even though you don't realize that's what you're doing Mm -hmm. Um, so just very gradual gradual steps Um, it's a long process a slow process but if your child won't talk to your grandparents I just think this is a great thing to try while we're all home Mm -hmm. and we kind of have the luxury of having breakfast together and not rushing out the door and even with teens I mean you can just you could do the same thing but just you know have the teen be in the room or while the teen happens to be in the room decide to skype you know grandma grandpa mm-hmm. and just have it be a regular kind of gradual process of exposing them uh, to the grandparents so that was my yeah my kind of goal for the week
0: mm-hmm.
1: anything that you can think of to add to that or something that I, you disagree with it?
0: um i think you said, had a lot of good ideas like um I think doing something rather than just sitting and staring at a screen, like if you're eating breakfast or even doing anything, like if you're playing with toys or you're Mm -hmm. making cookies or something, like at least your focus isn't all on the social interaction. So I think that's Mm -hmm. a good tip for anything. And then this is like, (laughs) it's like we're trying to get kids good at um, doing like facetime but it's like that's hopefully this is just temporary right um but i honestly think this could be a bridge to Mm -hmm. verbal communication like in-person communication like if i've never talked to my grandpa but we've worked on talking through skype then i'm more likely to talk to him in person i would think right yeah um so i think you can still be making
1: progress right now Mm -hmm. even if this is ending for some people yeah, and I remember, you know, back when Chelsea was um, maybe grade, I don't know, three or whatever, when all the kids were using AIM or AIM. Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of how Chelsea first started talking with her uh, classmates was yeah. going online. when She wouldn't speak to them all day at school, and then the minute she got home from school, she was logging on to AIM, and yeah. she would, like, interact with the kids. So I think, you know, technology is a great way to sort of get your feet wet without being put in that situation for real. It's kind of like in between Mm -hmm. being verbal so I know that was like super painful because I went step by step by step but I just really want to point out like um you know right from the beginning breaking Mm -hmm. it down into teeny tiny little steps yeah
0: I think a lot of parents get overwhelmed because they're like oh we tried class and my kid wouldn't even do it like it's we give up like she can't do it but it's like what if you started with tolerating
1: one minute Yeah, or just being in the room. Or just being in the room. Like when we had Jonathan, Jonathan wouldn't walk into the classroom, but he'd stand under the light switch. That's okay. I mean, you have to start somewhere. Right. So just start and just do it every single day.
0: Yeah, the key is just being consistent and not just saying like, oh, we can't do this. Mm -hmm. It's too hard. So my, (laughs) I kind of focused on something similar. I was thinking of school, but I know a lot of kids are ending school right now. But we did talk about some Some schools are doing summer school, and I know
1: some schools are not opening in the fall. I think around here they'll be opening, but... I know somebody at work that just said their daycare center's not opening in the fall. Wow. And she's really... up. She has no idea yeah. what she's going to do for daycare.
0: I had a mom message me on Instagram about her daughter, um, her school isn't opening in the fall either, and they're so worried about, like, the new class and the teacher, like, she's going to have a new teacher and yeah. everything. So... Yeah, I just wanted to think about that. I guess this could also be applied to um, friends or family members (laughs) like you just did, so let's see. It's also about tolerating being on video. I was thinking of all the messages that I see on Facebook about kids not being able to participate in class, and I think if this is here to stay, we need to Mm -hmm. focus on getting comfortable being on Zoom or FaceTime or Google
1: Hangouts. So these are just some ideas to make it more comfortable. Yeah, that is what tough I get. I never really thought about it, but, you know, a lot of SM kids don't want their picture taken. Right. Or, like, I was the only one that was allowed to take your picture. Yeah. So it would be tough to be on camera.
0: I think it's, like, the sensory input, too. It's, like, there's too much going on. Like, you're seeing every person. You're seeing yourself and how you're responding. And you're also supposed to be, like, thinking of things to say. Mm -hmm. It's, like, a lot. And if you're self-conscious and you have social phobia, like I do, you don't realize all of the like mechani- like the stuff that you're doing. Like I, I don't know. Right, little mannerisms. Yeah, have. mannerisms, nervous that's what I'm trying to say. habits and things. Right, and right. then you're focusing on yourself, and it's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just had some adjustments that you can make to try to make it easier. So if it's a classroom, you could work with the teacher to have smaller groups time i know in zoom you can split people up into like Hmm. even just one-on-one but i think that's harder i think a group of three is better because it's not kind of high a little bit (laughs) (laughs) groups are better than one-on-one in my opinion um so i think that would be helpful and i would suggest that they're with familiar peers or preferred peers in that group and this is also true for friends i think maybe one-on-one would be harder even if child has been verbal with that friend in person it doesn't mean they're gonna be the same online there's a different Mm. layer to it I don't know why it Mm. just is harder it's not the same Um, and some people are some kids are just having an easier time with this it really depends yeah
1: that it can be but
0: so if it's friends I would also think that a group would be better than one-on-one like get a small group together you could also I know people do this where they record videos Mm -hmm. and send them to the teacher which people do this in regular school yeah but even now I think it would be helpful whether you share it with the teacher or the whole class or a friend just I don't know a video it doesn't even have to be verbal it could be like you doing um, something doing an activity. yeah yeah,
1: I think teaching
0: things at school like if you're demonstrating how to make something or like how to do like an arts and craft project and you're recording it and then you're sending it to like a family member or a friend
1: Right. Making slime is a good one. Yeah. Um, actually, our nephew just sent us one of her making pasta, putting pasta through the yeah. pasta machine. There was no speaking in it, but, yeah, yeah we really enjoyed watching <laughs> it, and she did that.
0: You could also have a goal to type in the chat. I think um, teachers should recognize that as participation because it is mm-hmm. hard to do that even. Um, so if you're not, they're not ready to be verbal in class, then typing in the chat is a way to still participate. If they're just hanging out with friends, like you can type mm-hmm. in the chat, you don't have to talk, and taking off that um, the pressure to talk, like having the option to type in the chat, I
1: think would be really. That's why I think helpful. when you started with AIM, wasn't it just typing? Yeah. Yeah. AIM just, is only messages. It was like a little chat room. Yeah. yeah. So that was great for you to start. So
0: they have those features in pretty much everything, I think. I also talked about testing just because of school. I know that. I just saw this um, post on Facebook. It made me really sad. It was a girl who had to take a test, and her teacher said, like, oh, you have to have the video and audio on, um, so we know people aren't cheating, which is Mm -hmm. pretty standard, but I think accommodations should definitely be made for that. Um, She couldn't tolerate the video or audio being on. I think she lasted, like, one minute, then shut it off. She did the whole quiz, but her teacher gave her a zero. I I so that, that made me want to cry. So I definitely think talking about accommodations like that and planning ahead for things like that would be smart so that it doesn't just come up and blindside you. And then obviously you'd have, like, a fading procedure to try to work on tolerating having the camera on. That also gets the teachers on board more if they know there's a plan to... Right, that's true, yeah. Improve. improve. Um, I already said this before, but... Changing the gallery view, so when you're on a Zoom call, it's like a grid of every person on the call, and that's really intimidating and also unnatural. Like that's not how we right. communicate
1: in real life. It's like the Brady Bunch. Yeah, theory.
0: yeah. <laughs> so you can change that. I don't know if a lot of people know that because I'm in staff meetings and people are like, "Oh, I can't see this person." But if you click, it's different in every um, program, but you can change gallery view to just speaker view. So only the person talking will be on the screen. And then I think having one-on-one sessions with teachers or classmates would be helpful too. Like if you have that like alone time with your teacher. Even if it's just for like a couple minutes. I think that is helpful. So I came up with kind of like a little plan for how you can. It's basically a shaping procedure for tolerating having the video on. So I figured you could start with video off so nobody can see you, but you're in the room and you're listening. You don't even have to be looking at the screen. You're just in the room, like you said. And then you're going to move up to, once you can tolerate that for a certain amount of time, you would move up to having, to being in front of the computer. You can still have the video off, but you're, um, you're both looking at the computer and the person who you're FaceTiming with so or when, at the
1: class. So when you say have the video off, you mean
0: so that they can't see you. Okay, so your camera yeah. shut off. Yeah. Okay. And it's good to know that nobody can see you, I think. Mhm. Okay, so you would move up to having the video turned on for like 1 minute, like you'd make a goal like, okay, we're going to we're only going to be on for 1 minute today and then you can play video games after school or something. Um it could even be shorter than that, like if you have to start at 30 right. seconds and do it. Um, but once you're meeting that goal consistently, you want to keep progressing and move up, like, bump it up to two minutes or even slower. You could do one minute, 30 seconds.
1: Right, so you just gradually, gradually. increase the exposure of them being on the video. Right.
0: And then you kind of just keep continuing to do this until you can tolerate as much as possible, like, mm-hmm. the whole class. Um, but the point is it takes very small steps. I don't think people realize, like... People just increments. give up, like, oh, she can't do the whole class, so there's no point. Like, why are we even bothering? It's like, yeah. if you, st- I know one minute is stupid. Like, what what are you going to do in one minute, like being on the screen? But, but it's a sense of accomplishment. <laughs> right. I did it. But you have I did to start. And bad yeah. And you have to start from somewhere. And right. that minute probably feels like an hour. But... And you
1: could even have an egg timer set up.
0: Right. So that something. you know
1: when it's going to be over. Because it's a visual to right. help them see that how much time is left.
0: Yep. And just move at your own pace like you know the child you should be communicating with them to know like what their comfort level is and what they think they can do to meet their goals and you definitely need to have an open conversation with the teacher about what goals you're working on and what the expectations should be Mm -hmm. and any accommodations you want to make yeah when you were in
1: kindergarten um i mean i used to email the teacher and tell her what goal we were working on for that week so if it was waving to her Um, when she opened the car door, like, she knew to wave to you and then wait to give you that opportunity every Mm -hmm. day. So I always shared the goal with her. Yeah. Because you want to carry the goal from home into the school. Right.
0: I'd say you want to do this with, like, as many people as possible. Like, if you're struggling with school, you should be FaceTiming people that your child is familiar with and comfortable with. Like, if their best friend wants to FaceTime, you should be doing that. Like, that is going to help with just the exposure of being on camera Mm -hmm. it's definitely not something kids are used to and it's becoming important because they're missing out on school and other people I guess they're doing telehealth as well so if kids are in therapy they can't they're not getting therapy right now because they can't tolerate being on the screen Um.
1: right so this all ties into that it's just breaking down the steps to what they can tolerate and so gradually tweaking it
0: to different comfort levels. And doing this regularly is going to build confidence and um, behavioral momentum so that they're more likely to continue participating and making progress.
1: I think that's the biggest factor, actually. I honestly do because, like you said, a lot of people try something a couple of times and then they say, oh, she can't do it or he can't do it. It doesn't work out for us. But then that just means you have to tweak it somehow. Yeah.
0: I think a big thing that would be helpful is games, which I'll put the link for Boston Child Study Center wrote this article. It's actually written by Dr. Caitlin Wilbur Smith, who I got to volunteer with for a Get Hurt event. She organizes um, like exposure day camps that are really awesome. So she had some great advice, and just she listed all her favorite games that you can do online. And I like these by Skype, yeah. Like, okay, like mm-hmm. so these are like she has ideas for nonverbal video sessions, and then it moves on to verbal. But this is like what you were saying about how being silly is like right can go a long way. Mm-hmm. Another thing I was gonna say is, along those lines is kids like those like filters and you can use them and i don't know if you can use them in zoom but some oh like the facial yeah like like it puts funny
1: potato yeah yeah. it puts
0: like funny stuff on your face that's true that would be great that just gets kids laughing and like breaks the ice so i think if you can do that try it out and see if it like lowers the anxiety
1: that's a good one Yeah. yeah
0: but i think you can do games with like, you're still trying to build rapport with therapists, and you might even feel like you're starting over, because Mm -hmm. it's not, it's totally different now, like, Like, yeah, Yeah. so you could play games with your teacher, like, one-on-one, or your therapist, or just a group of friends online to kind of get more comfortable, Mm -hmm. so the nonverbal games, she says, are, like, charades, which I think I would find pretty hard to do. That's a hard one. Yeah, (laughs) that is a hard one. Simon says you could start, like, really easy, like, touch yeah. your nose. Simon says touch your, I don't know, you can kind of change that one right. to be easier. And she says, like, just arts and crafts, like we said, That's doing things
1: one. together. That's a good one, I think, because you can just, yeah. you don't have to say anything you're doing, especially if you pick an, if you pick an arts and crafts project that mm-hmm. they, like, love. Yeah. Like, making slime or making cookies. Yeah, something or they're, like, something. an expert
0: at. Right. Because that really lowers their anxiety. It's not like they're making stuff up. Yeah. Origami—that's um, a good one. Yeah. yeah, there's a girl, another BCBA I work with, who does this with her clients. Like she has them teach her how to do things. Like they'll mm. teach her how to make food and how to. It's just a good way to get people verbal.
1: That's a good one for the teachers if yeah. they could talk with the parents ahead of time and find out an interest of the child, it's like that they love, yeah. and go with that.
0: She has like fitness challenges, like yoga. Mm-hmm. That's a good non-verbal mm-hmm. thing um i wanted to, she doesn't have this on here but i was thinking like just showing things like yeah like show me the picture you made today like show me your cat i want to mm-hmm. see your dog like what does your bedroom look like mm-hmm. um and then verbal games she has are like hangman that would be easy because you only have to say one letter mm, true yeah hangman i know on zoom you can use a whiteboard to draw it but you could also just oh. use a paper and hold it up um there's would you rather which is easy because you only have to say one word like would you rather have usually they're silly like would you rather have belly button for eyes or eyes for a belly button
1: oh. even like you and me Well, in the car i've mentioned this before but we used to do opposites yeah in the car because you would you just wanted i don't know <laughs> <You> <laughs> how do you do that, that funny. well i would just we i would just say oh my gosh it's so dark out today it's like it's so pitch black out and I'd say it on a bright, bright, oh, sunny day. so then I'd have to yeah. correct you? you like, be grinning, yeah. and you'd, like, no, it's not.
0: Oh, yeah. well, there's show and tell. I mean, you could show your cat and, like, answer easy questions about the cat. You could play I Spy, come up with, like, surveys or quizzes, you know? Like, BuzzFeed has quizzes like that. Sure. Like, you could go on BuzzFeed and, like, ask your teacher, like, qu- silly questions and mm. give them their results. And then Mad Libs is a great one. There's a link yeah, where you, you can play Mad Libs online. Those. You yeah. used to do those. I used to cry laughing, like, in school playing Mad Libs with my friend in third grade. Mad Libs is a great one because you come up with silly words and the story yeah. comes out really funny. It's just silliness, yeah. Um, You could play two truths and a lie. You could do trivia. You could kind of come up with your own trivia mm-hmm. questions, too, and then ask your friends or your teacher. So, I don't know. I th- just think, like, you're trying to be comfortable with being on camera and it's like don't force it but try to make it fun and like reinforcing like even kids with selective mutism are probably missing social interaction like they everyone needs that in their life and it's like they're not getting it and you don't want them to regress either so it's good to be working on things and doing as much as you can even if it's just being silly on FaceTime.
1: I actually just think this is actually like an opportunity. I I know some people say it's not but you could just kind of flip it and think like you have all this I don't know just the structure of your day is different. Yeah. So you're not rushing around getting here getting there going here you know you have time at home where you can actually Mm -hmm. like just plan activities and like these sorts of activities and plan around these.
0: And I just wanted to remind everyone that this is this is not permanent. This is, like, hopefully going away soon. So I wouldn't stress, like, too much over this. I think it's, like, a weird skill for kids to be on camera.
1: It is isn't. it isn't.
0: Anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's still important. And they should be participating as much as they can in school, even though it's not in person. But it's, like, it's not the end of the world. Like, uh-huh. you can if you feel like you're starting over and you're making so much progress at school it's not like anyone's fault it's just no one could have planned for this you can still achieve
1: your goals it's just different
0: there and i think a lot of people are really worried about transitioning back to school
1: so i think working on these now will be helpful opportunities opportunities consistency use this time set up opportunities and just re- repeat right <laughs> so stay safe wash your hands and um <laughs> Practice, practice, practice. If you enjoyed this episode,
0: make sure you go leave us a five-star review. We haven't got one in a while, so we're sad.
1: (laughs) And to all those moms out there, hang in there. All those moms who
0: are being teachers. (laughs) Good job. And dads.